start that over. If you're here for the first time, you're jumping in in the middle of our Proverbs series and um, in the middle of a mini-series. So we, we're, this will be our third of three weeks on the two paths. All of Proverbs is setting up this dichotomy. Life and death, righteousness and wickedness, wisdom and folly. And so a couple weeks ago, we did our first week in chapter 10. So chapter 10 is all about that, that contrast. And we see those verse after verse after verse. In chapters 11 through 15, we looked at the focus of maturity in the narrow way, the, the, the path to life. I mean, everything that we did before that was leading up to this. The first nine chapters are contrasting lady wisdom and lady folly. There are two calls, one to righteousness and the fear of the Lord, one to folly and self-indulgence. And so this one, this week, is going to be our focus on self-indulgence. It's the focus on folly. So when you get toward the latter half of the individual Proverbs, so chapter 16 through chapter 30, the emphasis is predominantly going to be on folly. You, get, you see more of those references later on in the book. Um, and so before we get into those, by means of introduction, I want to remind you guys, we talked about foolishness a few times before, and if you've been here for all of these, and you still need a reminder, uh, we're going to give you a reminder. So foolishness in the scriptures uh, is not ignorance. We think of a, a fool as an idiot, like someone who just doesn't know any better. But fools in the Bible, they're willfully ignorant. Some of you chuckled because I said that in church. There's going to be other stuff I'm going to say that you don't think I should say in church. Um, but it's willful ignorance. People who suppress the truth, they, they know what is right. A fool in the Bible is not ignorant, but they're making a theological decision to reject the truth. They aren't making decisions lacking of facts. They have all the information they need, and they make the wrong decision. I want to look at uh, a couple passages that sets that up. Psalm, 40, or Psalm 14. Psalm 14 is almost exactly like Psalm 53. It's so important that it's in the Psalms twice. Psalm 14. When you read the Psalms, the introductions are helpful. To the choir master of David. What should that tell you? This is a song. This is worship. Verse 1. The fool says in his heart there is no God. Christian radio would love that opening line. They are corrupt. They do abominable deed. There is none who does good. All right, that's not going to make it on the Z. Uh, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there is any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have been become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. The fool begins with there's no God. It's all downhill from there. That's our default position. We are born as fools. We are born not knowing God and hating God. It's not just Psalms. Uh, the, Paul, as he opens Romans, he, he lays this out. Many of you are familiar with this, this passage, but Psalms kind of, the, the Psalm creates the, or describes the reality. But Paul tells what's going on in the heart, what's going on underneath, and God's response to it. This is Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, they have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Remember, fools are not ignorant. They know God. They just choose not to honor Him or get thanks to Him. But they become futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. When Jesus speaks of fools, He never mentions the uneducated and the simple. Those he calls fools to their faces are the Pharisees, those who oppose him. He has two parables about fools. One we read earlier from Matthew 25 in our intercessory prayer, where Jesus describes the, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast, where there are ten virgins, ten young women who are waiting for this, this bridegroom to come home. And if someone's going to come in the night, because there's no flashlights, you need lamps, and those lamps need oil. The wise ones had oil. The fools thought, ah, I'll figure it out later. I know he's coming, but I can make my peace with him when he comes. The bridegroom comes in the middle of the night in an hour that they do not know. The wise young women are ready. They trim their lamps, they light the wicks, and they go to welcome him. And they get brought into the wedding feast. But the foolish ones are trusting in their own ingenuity. They try to beg from the righteous, wise young women, give us some of your oil. And they say, no, this is ours. Go and get your own. They lack wisdom. They lack righteousness. While they're going scurrying around trying to make themselves right for this wedding, the door is shut. And they are left out in the darkness. This is a picture of the kingdom of God. Jesus also tells us in Luke 12 of a rich fool, he calls him. This man does really well. This man does so well that he's got barns for his barns. And he keeps keeps adding to his wealth. And because I've got more and more, I need to build more. Which means I need more. What does Jesus call him? You fool. Today your soul is required of you because you are rich toward men, but you are poor in the kingdom of God. Our framework for our sermon this morning, uh, I'm stealing with full credit from Oz Guinness. Uh, If you don't know who Oz Guinness is, he's one of my favorite writers to to read. Um, I I love him for apologetics and if you like philosophy and history and, and all that stuff. He does a great job kind of picking up where Francis Schaeffer left off. But he has a book, Fool's Talk, great book on apologetics. Uh, thankfully, the Lord led me to a book called Fool's Talk to talk about fools. So he mentions that there are three types or ways that the, fool, the word fool is used in the Bible. Most of our time is going to be taken up on the first one. In your notes, you're going to see that's the fool proper. But I want you to see how he defines it because it's going to help us as we go through Proverbs. So the fool proper, he is the uh, person who is truly, objectively, and actually a fool. Because God said so. That should be enough, but here's an explanation. This is the practical atheist who has no fear of the Lord and roundly, all around, everything, and always refuses to acknowledge God in practice. Lacking the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom, all such people 
whether individuals or nations, inevitably end up in some form of social, sexual, economic, or cultural folly, even if they seem noble, daring, or advanced in the eyes of others. Truly, they are fools. And this first type of fool offers little help to us, except to stand as a warning sign to mark off the way of life that people of faith should avoid. That's why we're looking at fools this morning. So that as people of faith, if you're in this room and you are in Christ, I want you to read Proverbs in a way that is beneficial. I want you to see the warning signs. I want you to avoid the folly. As the Father says, my son, keep away from folly. Don't go after those who will lead you off to death. And so in that, this is not a likely sermon topic. If you were here two weeks ago when we talked about the path to maturity, this is the anti-path to maturity. That time, and I encourage you, if you weren't here two weeks ago, that is an encouragement to believers to persevere in uh, the, the path that you're on. If Christ has set you on it, you will finish it. And it's an encouragement to the, to the saints that we will persevere. This is not that sermon. That sermon was, here's what you should do, here's who you should associate with. This sermon is here's what you should not do, and here's what you should not associate with, and learn from them. And so, um, if Jeff Jeff Foxworthy were to preach this, this would be, you might be a fool if. Um, We're going to see a lot of those examples. And, I'll be honest, I'm going to have way too much fun with this one. Uh, This only happens maybe once a year. Jesse said yesterday we're going to have learning and laughter. That's going to be today. Uh, and I'm not bringing it to the text. The sarcasm and the, the, the comedy is in the text. And it's made to be that way. There's some ridiculous situations here to get us to pay attention. And so we'll look at some of those. Some of those that if, you're, if you've read Proverbs regularly, you come across them and you laugh out loud. Literally, because you, you're meant to. And again, a reminder, we're in the themes of Proverbs. So this is representative, not comprehensive. I cannot touch on every passage that mentions the word fool. I'm going to try, but I can't. Um, So it's going to be representative of different situations, but not comprehensive. I just want you to get the idea. My my goal here, this is kind of a um, a, a tour guide. Um, I'm going to say from a distance, from the safety of the vehicle, look over there, that's folly. Stay away from it, avoid it, let's move on. Look over there, that's stupid. Stay away from that, avoid it, let's move on. So that's what we're doing. I'm your tour guide this morning. We're not going to take a pit stop at every verse. I'm going to try Uh, So, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Heavenly Father, you are good and gracious to us, perfect in all of your ways. You are the God of all wisdom, and you sent your Son so that we might see wisdom manifested in the flesh, that we might in him see the fullness of knowledge and all the treasures of wisdom. Lord, may we be discerning wise people who avoid what is foolish and leads to death and cling on to what leads to life. May we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. May we not be fools of the world, but fools for Christ. And may we know that knowledge is from you, wisdom is from you, and so is laughter and encouragement and challenge and conviction. You are the God who gives all things and let us see them as good because we're your people. We're your sons. If you are in Christ this morning, find your joy in him, that he became a fool for us. 
And in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want to start at the very beginning of the book, and we'll move rather quickly. So you should all know this by now. Proverbs 1-7. So here's the thing. I'm not going to put any of this up on the board or up on the screen. You should know where Proverbs is by now. Uh, there is a Bible in, in, in front of you. Um, and if anyone needs in the back needs one, maybe you guys can pass them back. Uh, Proverbs. We're going to be beginning in verse 7 of chapter 1. You should know this by now. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. The father is pleading with the son in chapter 1. Let's jump up to verse 22. How long, O oh simple ones, will you, lo- will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn from my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. This is the promise of Proverbs. Come away from your foolish nature. If you turn... If you repent, if you listen to my correction, I'll give you my spirit and I will reveal to you all things. The the chapter ends like this in verse 32. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. If you run the narrow way, take comfort in that. If you are a fool trusting in yourself, your complacency will destroy you. All right, let's jump in. You've got a list of verses there. We're going to pick up in 1622. Proverbs 1622. Uh, One of the things you're going to notice every time you see is, think of an equal sign. You're going to see it a lot today. This is uh, a... A uh, metaphor that is being used. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it. The instruction of fools is folly. Here's the contrast of the two paths. To the mature, our understanding is a fountain of life. And we've looked at this before. But the Bible is a story of a tree of life. And rivers of living water that Adam and Eve drank from. But when sin comes into the world, we have nothing that gives us any lasting value. We look forward to Revelation where there is living waters again to drink from. And a tree of life. But there is one who came in between who said, I will give you rivers of living water. If you come to me, you will never thirst again. And the wise, they find that. The wise, those who have good sense, i.e. wisdom, they find this fountain of life. They find the knowledge and peace with Christ, and it flows from the heart. Looking back, verse, verse 21, the wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases pervasiveness. This always flows from the heart. But there's the other side of this. But the instruction of fools is folly. That's an interesting way to say that, but the instruction of fools is folly. It's self-perpetuating. If you're a fool and you come to, ta- to the table with trust in yourself, you're going to, everything you find is going to make you trust in yourself more. If you are a fool, you will, you will be more of a fool the more that you learn. It leads to more foolishness, more trust in self, and more rejection of God. The instruction of fools is folly. It's like if you read every book on diving but can't swim. 
That is what happens when a fool increases knowledge. Verse 17, 12. Chapter 17, 12. I love this one. Here's where the irony begins. Even though this is a deathly scary picture, the comedy begins. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Let's talk about that for a moment. One thing you do not want to see in the woods is a bunch of little baby bears by themselves because mama is close behind. You would much rather see a big male bear than a mama bear. And the poor tourist who thinks he can go get a picture with one of those little bears or try to pick them up and hold them, it's not going to end well. And what could be worse than getting on the bad side of, of a protective mama bear? Coming across a fool fully convinced of his folly. Think about that. Most of you won't go out in the woods because you're afraid of bears. But you're not afraid of fools that you interact with every day. The writer of Proverbs tells us that's more fearful. Meeting a fool completely convinced in his folly. Verse 16, let's, uh, we're going to run through these fairly quickly. Uh, again, if you can't take notes on all of them, come back and listen. Again, I want you to get the picture, but I want you to be a profitable reader of the Proverbs. Don't just, don't just run through them. Read one and meditate on it and think on it and apply it. Now, verse 16, chapter 7, here's another gem. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Anytime you see no sense equals fool. Even if it were possible for a fool to buy wisdom, what would he do with it? What would be the purpose? He has no appreciation, no use for it. Even if I could buy one of Elon Musk's rockets, what would I do with it? Even if you could buy your hamster an iPhone, what would he do with it? Somebody somewhere has done it. Even if the fool has all the money in the world and no sense, he can't buy wisdom. You can't purchase that, what is, that which is spiritually discerned. Verse 24, same chapter. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. The discerning, the wise, the righteous, their treasure, their eyes are on the things of heaven. Their eyes are toward the eternal, but the fool, his eyes are on the ends of earth. He wants everything this world has to offer. And even if he gains the whole world, it's futile. And he forfeits his soul. Because you know what? He who dies with the most toys dies. You can gain the whole world, and it's nothing. That is a fool. Uh, we're going to jump forward to chapter 19, verse 1. Better is a poor person who walks in integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Now let's think about that for a moment. Better. We're Americans. We're capitalists. Do we believe that? Do we believe that it is better to be poor and have integrity and righteous toward the things of God, or maybe 
I can tweak how I speak. I can adjust my behavior. Because if I just walk like them, and I just talk like them, I can be rich too. This is a temptation in our culture. In that, that culture, there were no hope for upward mobility. If you were born poor, you were dying poor. But here, we can move up the ladder. And there's always that, that temptation. If I just close my eyes to this, if I just agree with this, I may be rich, but in the eyes of God, you're a fool. As Jesus told us earlier, there are many rich fools. There are many wise poor people. Which one appeals to your heart? When you really think about it, who do you admire? The one who is commendable in his speech. The one who is praiseworthy in her conduct. Or the one who drives the fancy car and has all the stuff you want. Is it better Hopefully you can answer, absolutely. Because our Savior was this poor man who walked with integrity. Nowhere to lay his head. No belongings to take with him. Verse 3, chapter 19. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, and it will... There is no such thing as a fool walks away happily ever after. There is no riding off into sunset for foolishness. When, when, not if, a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Isn't this so true today? There is no shortage of people raging against the Lord. I think we're probably seeing it more than we've ever seen it um, in the conversation around abortion right now. I saw this man standing across from those protesting, wanting to keep abortion legal. And he simply said, I love you. Jesus loves you. I am glad your mother didn't abort you. All day long, with a smile on his face, I love you. Jesus loves you. I'm glad your mother didn't abort you. And the the most vile, heinous, blasphemous things were thrown back at him. Why? Because when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. It's because sex has become an identity and a religion. And... When you challenge it, they will rage. We have a world full of people trying to be their own gods. And when their way doesn't work out, they blame the one and only true God. This is the height of foolishness. Let's continue on. Verse 26, verse 16. Excuse me, verse, excuse me chapter 21, verse 16. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Again, if you see someone who lacks sense or who wanders away from it, that is the definition of a fool. This is true literally and spiritually. If you wander away from what is wise, it's going to bring you to ruin. It's eventually going to lead to your death 
in a literal physical sense, but certainly in a spiritual sense. When you wander away from the Lord, the wide path, it can only lead to wickedness. It can only lead to evil. And you will keep company of those who are perishing. They will rest in the assembly of the dead. This word for assembly is the basis of the Old Testament word for the people of God and the New Testament word for church. They will rest in the church of the dead. Just like there's a community of the righteous, there is a community of the wicked. And they are more evangelistic than we are. They are staking their lives on it, raging against the Lord so that they can exalt their own pleasures. If you walk away from the path of good sense, they will welcome you in and eat their own. Fools take on many shapes and sizes. It's not a one-size-fits-all. They all look different, but here's what they all have in common. They all trust in themselves, and none of them fear the Lord. And they will be worshiping themselves in hell. My son, stay on the path of good sense, because there's an assembly of the dead, and you will meet them. All right, let's continue on, uh, jumping further to chapter 25. Verse 26, another great illustration of picture. Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Remember, the wise man is the one who walks in righteousness. The fool is the one who walks in wickedness. Now to the fool... There's no God, and it leads to death. But this isn't talking about the fool here. This is talking about a muddied spring or a polluted fountain. But this is the righteous man who flirts with, who plays with, who dips his toe in the muddied waters. Uh, a bunch of us guys went to the springs earlier this, this week. And you've been to Florida, you've been to the springs, they're amazing. This crystal clear water bubbles up out of the water, and it keeps bubbling, and it's, and, it's, and it's pure until we step our grubby toes in it, and then it gets all muddled and, and muddied. This is what the Father is warning us. If you're righteous, keep your way pure, because what happens when you walk in the ways of the foolish one, when you step away from the, the path of good sense, it's like taking this pure water and stirring it up and making it muddy and making it unable to be drank to drink, to drunk, whatever it is. In that culture, you did not spoil perfectly good water. It was life. We don't see ourselves that way. Christ died that we might be pure and spotless and blameless for him, that we might be a bride with a perfectly unstained wedding garment, and we're content with kicking around the mud in the pools of our hearts, we muddy it and we mix it with the things of the world. Don't walk in the ways or take the counsel of the fool who does not fear the Lord. They cannot. They're not even muddy springs. They're quicksand. They have no there is no life to drink from them. Be friendly with the world, but don't be friends with the world. 
Amen. All right. Now we're going to kind of get to our, um, the rapid-fire dominoes of chapter 26. Chapter 26, 1 through 12, they're all about fools. Uh, and there's some gems in here. So we're going to start with chapter 26, verse 1. Like snow in summer, or Florida, or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. How often does it snow in summer? In, in that culture, if it rains during harvest, that means all your crops are spoiled. That's why we get spring rains. God's design is amazing. We get spring rains, and so that you don't want rain in the fall or in the harvest, so your crops are preserved. That is how often a fool should be honored. Ouch. What's being said here? When fools are honored, God's order is turned upside down. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You don't honor those who shake their fist at the Lord. You don't prop up those who hate your God. It would be like throwing water on your harvest or summer coming, or uh, what is it? Snow, the stuff that comes down from the sky. That stuff coming in summer. It's ridiculous. This is the prime reason why we don't envy the world. Do we see this in our day or what? Evil is good and good is evil. Fools are being honored left and right. What does that say about our culture? It should not be so in the church. Let the culture do what it wants, but let not us honor fools. Let not us look for wisdom from those who are perishing. All of their folly is rooted in pride, and it is self-serving. And whoever exalts himself, Jesus tells us, will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself, Christ himself will exalt. We don't need to seek honor in this world. We seek our Savior, and he will give us the honor and glory that we share with him in our inheritance. Amen. Uh, verse 2 is referring to fools. Too much to explain. Verse 3. Um, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, a rod for the back of fools. This is what happens when one exalts himself. Like an untamed, stubborn beast. Horses will run off if you don't bridle them. Or if, if, if you don't whip them, they won't do what you want. Donkeys are stubborn and obstinate. If you don't, if you don't bridle them, they're going to go wherever they want. They're not going to listen to you. Fools are even worse. They need a rod. They need correction. I think some people think that they can put a bridle on a fool. If I give him just a little bit of wisdom, maybe he'll act right. We try to, pay, we try to make people morally right who are spiritually dead. They need a rod, not honor. They need correction, not more influence. And too many in the church and too many Christians cede ground to those who are fools and stubborn beasts. Let's continue on. Uh, I love this. Uh, we'll get into more of these as we get through Proverbs. But I'm going to read verses 4 and verses 5 together. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Wait, what? I know so many people read this and you're like, uh, well, which, which one is it? See, the Bible contradicts itself. 
Both of these require discernment. This seems like a contradiction, but remember, when you're reading the Proverbs, they're not always absolutes, what we'd call truisms. They are true when they're applied in their appropriate context. What is the context? Verse 4, when do you not answer a fool according to his folly? Don't get into a mudslinging match with a fool. Someone who uh, will not be taught, someone who uh, is unreasonable or unteachable, who wants to drag you down to their level, don't do it. It's like trying to reason with a child throwing a temper tantrum. You're going to try to give them a reasoned response when they're being ridiculous? Don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll look just like him. I'm sorry, but how many Christians have gotten into Facebook arguments that reduce themselves to a playground insult match, and then you look just like the fool that you're arguing with? Stop it. If someone's not reasonable, walk away. Amen? Okay, secondly, answer a fool according to his folly. Oh, wait, I just had that one figured out, now I've got to figure this one out. Answer a, cool, a fool according to his folly. When do you answer a fool according to his folly? When they're willing and able to listen. They may be foolish, but if they will listen, show them their folly. If you can have a reasoned conversation with someone who lacks spiritual discernment, do it. I had one of these conversations earlier this week with an atheist. He let me talk to him for an hour and a half. And he would give his objections, and I would give my answer, and show him how his, how his stance is more foolish, and point him to Christ. And then one of the questions he asked me is, what about the guy on the island? They always ask that. Well, how many guys on an island do you know? Okay, let's, let's set that aside. The Lord, will, the Lord will take care of his own. But here, let's talk about you. I've told you about Christ. I have told you about the gospel. I have pointed you to the cross. Now you are without excuse. Now what are you going to do with it? Huh. I hadn't thought about that. He was willing to listen. So I presented him with, a folly, with his folly on a silver platter. And now he will answer for it one way or the other. And I hope he comes to the Lord. Amen. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. If we make them own and see the error and the inconsistencies of their foolishness, hopefully the Lord is working in their heart and he draws them to himself. All right, verse 6. Helpful so far, hopefully? Yeah. Verse 6. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. It's okay to laugh. You, it, it's, it's meant to be funny. Um, it is gruesome, but it's ridiculous. Moral of the story here, don't trust anything important to a fool. Amen. Don't lend someone money who has not shown themselves to be wise. The guy who's in debt and who goes out to eat every weekend, don't lend him money. If you need to, tra- if you need to send an important message, do important business, why? Why would you send a fool? Don't entrust the king, kingdom riches to non-believers. Amen. You might as well just harm yourself. If you're going to send a fool, cut off your own legs and just sit there and drink violence. Because it's the same result. 
This is meant to get our attention. This is meant so when a young man reads this, he's like, huh, I don't want to cut off my own legs. Maybe I should think about who I entrust my business to. And it only gets better from here. Verse 7. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. No explanation needed. I'm just going to let that dangle in your mind for a moment. But I will repeat it. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Proverbs are useless without the fear of the Lord. Useless. Like lame legs. If you're reading this and you don't know the Lord and you don't fear him, you might as well be reading the phone book. Verse 8. I like this one too. Like the one who binds the stone in the sling is the one who gives honor to a fool. If you're not laughing, you didn't read that. Like the one who binds a stone in a sling. We've all heard the story of David and Goliath. He's got this little leather, leather strap with a rock in it that he swings it around and throws it and hits Goliath in the forehead. How smart would David be if he ties the rock to the sling? How smart would you be if you super glue your rounds in the magazine? This is silly. It is so foolish. It's the same as giving honor to a fool. You might as well fight with your hands behind your back before giving honor to a fool. We can laugh. It's meant to be silly. But how many people do that? How many people live like, oh, we're all just God's children. And I've, got, I've talked to so many Christians who get counsel from idiots by the world standards and wonder why their life is a mess. How would you get counsel from someone who does not fear the Lord? How would you honor, prop up someone who's a fool in the eyes of God? Verse 9, similar to verse 7. Like a thorn that goes into the hands of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Um, if you've ever seen a drunk person, they're not the most dexterous of people. Imagine a drunk person with a, a, a rose in their hand, and they're stumbling around and clutching it. What's going to happen? It's going to be a bloody mess. And their hand in that flower is not going to be appealing anymore. That's what it's like if... A fool tries to speak proverbs from his mouth. It's a mess. It's not, it, it doesn't lead to anything good. This is great. Verse 10. Um, they just keep getting better. Verse 10. Like an archer who wounds everyone. It's like the first time you hand a child a plastic gun, and the first thing he does is turn around and points it in your face. This is the archer who wounds everyone. Have some discernment on who you give bows and arrows to and guns and, and ammo. Not everyone can handle them. And if you don't have aim, that's why we stand back range, not down range. And maybe not even in the same room with this guy. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. How many Christians entrust their business, their Whatever. 
to some random guy and they wonder why the guy stole from me. Or he cheated me. Or he doesn't have a good work ethic. You don't hire a passing fool or a drunkard. You might as well fire a blind archer with no aim. Everybody's going to get hurt. It doesn't turn out well for anyone. If you don't show discernment, it is not going to end well. So Christians, have aim and discretion where you're shooting your arrows, please, for your sake and for others. Verse 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Like a dog who returns to his vomit, vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Let me say something here. It is not foolish to make mistakes. Everybody can take a deep sigh of relief. It is not foolish to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. It is foolish to make the same mistake twice. And it is really foolish if you keep making the same mistake. That's why the writer says, is a fool who repeats his folly. Every one of us has done something foolish. Probably in the last 24 hours. Hopefully you are wise enough to say, yeah, that was dumb. I shouldn't do that again. I'm going to take my foot out of my mouth and, and learn from that. A wise person makes a mistake owns it, learns from it, and moves on. A fool, like a dog, go back to his vomit. Say what you you want about cats, but they don't do that. (laughs) Not a fan of either, but if you're going to pick a team, at least pick one who doesn't eat his own poop. I'm just saying. (laughs) Verse 12. I haven't offended you yet. I'm trying. Um. (laughs) Uh, Verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Here's what it all boils down to. We're ending where we began. This is the moral of the story. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? Notice, we've said all this stuff about fools so far. There's more hope for a fool than that guy. The one who trusts in himself, the one who thinks he's the smartest one in the room, you're better off talking to a fool. Still better off than finding a mother bear without her cubs. This guy who thinks he's wise in his own eyes. I I like uh, 28, 26, chapter 28, 26, really explains this well. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Delivered, same idea and root as salvation. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be saved. There is no salvation apart from wisdom. There is no wisdom apart from the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord will lead you to saving faith in Christ. There is no help, hope elsewhere. And this is the height of folly. Trusting in yourself, trusting in your own mind, saying that there's no God, and scoffing at the cross of Christ. The height of foolishness, which finally, in our few closing moments, is going to bring us to the second use of fool in the scriptures. Um, I'm going to need to take Os Guinness's terms here. The final two fools we'll look at in our final few minutes. So, you can uh, turn from Proverbs and turn to 1 Corinthians. 
The second type of fool, he calls the fool bearer. Here's what he says. This is the fool bearer. That'll be up on the screen. Should be. All right, just listen then. This is the fool bearer. I know I put it in there. The person, short, the person who not, is not actually a fool at all. Told you. Um, but who is prepared to be seen and treated as a fool, the fool for Christ's sake. This is the second use of fool. So Os Guinness takes the term of fool and he, and he looks at Paul's use in 1 Corinthians. And what Paul does is he takes an accusation that was waged against him. He and the other apostles were called fools. Their challenger said, these guys are just crazy. But what does Paul say? To the fool proper. This Christian seems like a fool. So 1 Corinthians 2, 14. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And what does Paul say? You want to call me a fool? Sure. Look at uh, chapter 4, verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake. Why? How could Paul, this wise biblical scholar, this apostle, this disciple of Christ, how could he say, I'm a fool? Look at the second half of verse 10 in chapter 4. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Translation, we are fools. I became a fool so that you would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. I became a fool for your sake. I'm a fool. Do you believe in Christ? Call me whatever you want. I'll become a fool. I'll become a jester in the eyes of the world so that you can have life. We must become fools before we can become wise. Look at chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone amongst you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. This is the same as coming like a little child. As adults, there's a lot of stuff we have to unlearn to be wise in the kingdom of God. Make yourself a fool. Be like David. Dance. And if you want to dance naked, do it at home. (laughs) But the man after God's own heart looked like a fool and praised the Lord with everything that was within him. But again, how could Paul take on the title fool? Because he follows the one that the world thought was a fool. I like how Os Guinness calls Jesus the supreme fool bearer. Look at verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Jesus was called crazy, demonic, legalistic, antinomian, a false prophet. He was mocked by the Jews and the Romans, true fools, by the way. These are grade A 
prime beef, number one category, fools. Fools proper. Look at Matthew 27. They did everything that they could to make him look like a fool. Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31. Matthew 27, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the gut, this is after beating him, by the way. They scourged him. They ripped his flesh open with, uh, with a cat of nine tails. Then the soldiers and the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And what did they do? They stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. They mocked him. They made him to be the fool king. They twisted together a crown of thorns, a foolish crown that they put in his head, and they put a reed in his right hand, not a scepter, but a stick. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail the king of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed, and they struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe, and they put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. They did everything they could to make him look like a fool. And they even took it a step further. When they nailed him to a cross, they put the sign above his head that said, King of the Jews. In all the languages of the, re- of the region, Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. That was so that every person who passed by said, look, he called himself a king. We made him a fool. They wanted the whole world to know that this Jesus was a fool. And that they were the wise ones. But as the supreme fool bearer, before he bore sins, he must bear shame. Before he could bear our sins, he must bear our shame with it. And everything that he bore on the way to the cross, we deserve. Because we are those proper fools. We are those ones who, in our very nature, say in our heart, there is no God. This brings up fool number three. Because while the Romans wanted the whole world, the Romans and the Jews for that matter, wanted the whole world to know that this Jesus is a fool. This king died on a cross. God the Father wanted the whole world to know that this king died on a cross. I love this third category. Os Guinness calls him the fool maker. He is the one who is the maker of fools. Back in 1 Corinthians, where does he get that language? 1 Corinthians, verse 19 of chapter 1. We looked at verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and, I, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Who's speaking there? It is the Lord our God. And then he asks, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Notice, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. If I am a fool for preaching Christ, then put a dunce cap on my head. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. 
stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. God is the fool maker. Only God can take what is foolish in the eyes of man and turn it into wisdom. Verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I love what Martin Luther says about the cross. He calls the cross Satan's mousetrap. He smelled cheese and felt steel. Our God made our enemy the supreme fool at the cross. And that is where the dividing line is. The proper fool that we looked at in Proverbs sees the cross and he says, no, I've got this. I've got enough knowledge. I've got enough goodness on my own. God would certainly take me if there is a God because who wouldn't take me? That's the supreme fool. That's the fool proper. But the fool for Christ sees the cross He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Who would take me? Who will save me from this wretched body of death? Who would love a sinner like me? The guy up there. The guy who took the mocking and the beating for me. Who went to the cross for me. Who took my sins so that I might live and live with him. And rule with him. And share an inheritance with me. That guy did that for me, I'll be a fool for him. Hallelujah. What type of fool are you? Are you impressed by the things of the world, by the thoughts of your own mind, or are you a fool for Christ? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for your wisdom. We praise you that your word is so profound that it makes us weep and it makes us laugh. It makes us shout for joy and shout for repentance. That it examines our hearts and it lays us bare. Lord, I pray that your spirit would do that this morning. That no one would walk from this room trusting in themselves. That there would be a greater fear of you. That we would hold you in loving reverence. That we would follow Christ. Damn the world. That those who hate you and rage against you, Lord, may you bring them to nothing. May your people humble themselves before you that they may be exalted by you. We praise you for the cross that is the power of salvation, that is our deliverance, that is our wisdom. We praise you that in a way we can't understand, you make it foolish to those who are perishing. 
May your saints be encouraged this morning, O Lord our God. May we walk from this room covered in the blood of Christ. May we walk from this room resting that our sin has been forgiven. That we are made alive with him. That your grace has saved us. That you've poured out your mercy on us. That we can walk the straight and narrow path. Because you have given us new hearts. Eyes to see and ears to hear. And feet to walk on your path. For the praise of your glory. We pray this in the name of our Savior, our King, who became a fool for us, that we might be His righteous brothers and Your righteous sons. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.